Howdy do. It is, um, I don't know what day it is. It doesn't really matter. Um, and so let's just pretend that it's uh, Saturday. How about that? No, I don't well, want to work on Saturday. <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, that's true. I was trying to figure out a way just to just to kind of ignore. break it up. Yeah, yeah, just to you know keep it keep everybody guessing as to where we are. But uh, we are here, Drake Weston said, and uh, looking at the various news and trying to uh, trying to, to hit delete on the majority of it, and then find something that is worthy of discussion without making yourself you know mad or just shaking your head. And we are also still thinking about many people that lost everything uh, over the weekend and these incredible storms that many of you uh, were probably concerned about around here. And uh, I was out of town uh, in Evansville, Indiana. Don't ask me why. It's a long story. Uh, so we're watching um, that place under a thunderstorm or tornado warning as we're in a hotel room watching a line of storms and a tornado event heading right towards South Haven. That was fun. I oh, bet. Yeah. To sit in a place and watch your uh, hometown or where you live uh, about to be just destroyed. So we're getting phone calls and text and back and forth and people hiding in their closets and the kids are you know, hunkering down and everybody is concerned about here. And then we watch it go south of South Haven. I haven't heard much about Tunica or any place down there, but I guess that the hardest hit spots, obviously, were in Wynn, Arkansas, and yeah. Adamsville, Tennessee, where my wife has family. And mm. so we are still thinking about those people that are that's just uh, one minute, you've got everything fine, next minute, it's gone. So um, uh, it's been a rough couple of days for a number of people trying to recover yeah. from this. So we carry on and wait for the next event because there's going to be one, and it's just inevitable. So we carry on and hope for the best. And we celebrate the good things in life. What do you think is the longest-running scripted television show on the air still in the U.S. of A.? The Simpsons. No. Oh, I didn't think of that, Wesley, but that's, it's been a that's long time. That would have been on my first thought. Would have been The um, Simpsons. Huh. Andy Griffith. I have no idea. Is it on still? Hello? I don't know. No, it probably still somewhere on the on air. The, it's the, on in the know. U.S. The longest, you're not paying attention already. And it's too early for this. The <laughs> longest-running scripted show on the air still in the U.S. Andy Griffiths has been gone. The entire cast has been deader than hell for a long time, except for Opie. Right. And I thought you meant like it could be in reruns, and that would count. I, <laughs> I don't know. I uh, turned her mic off. We uh, was. <laughs> Thanks oh, a lot. Good morning Jesus. to you. Too. <laughs> uh, ABCs. No more guesses from you, babies. From General the, 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 F in hospital. Oh, oh my gosh, oh, you're really? kidding. General freaking still? hospital. Luke and Laura. Remember that? On. I thought that one I died. had no idea. They, oh well, my there, gosh. There's a, a, a paragraph in the story that says that just because that someone dies in the show doesn't mean that they're really dead. So they can come back. Well, sure. They're zombies. It's it's yeah. it's the same rule as in comics. If there's no body, then there's no real death. And sometimes, even <laughs> if there is a body, they can come back. Uh, this is a milestone for the longest-running scripted show in production on American TV. They're making are they they're marking the moment with a fan favorite storyline, the nurse's ball, always number one on my list of their storylines. <laughs> 
a fictional charity gala gala if it's fictional then why is it such a favorite uh, this week, the residents of, of Port Charles dress to the nines and walk a red carpet in a guest appearance. And this goes on and on. Nobody really cares. I don't know who it is that watches these shows still. Um, I guess I, I, I just don't know. Maybe old people who are at home. Maybe I don't it's know. Old people. I, don't know. I think that gay men like it a lot. That I've, I've been Maybe. told that before. Ever since they wrote um, Luke and Laura off, screw them. Yeah, <laughs> where's Rick Springfield? Whatever his name was. So they didn't come. Uh, there's a shot here of Anthony Geary, who was Luke, and Ginny Francis, who was Laura. Uh, oh my for the, gosh. And, and that wedding. And they're eighty. No. <laughs> that was that was in 1981. Golly. Luke and Laura and General Hospital. The crazy thing is, even though I've never seen one in my entire life. I, I know the names. I know. I remember hearing about the stupid wedding. I know Rick Springfield oh, yeah. was on there as a doctor. I don't even know Noah Drake or so. Oh my God, is that yeah, it? There Noah it is. Drake. That's right. Oh my gosh, yeah. never yeah. even seen yeah. one in my life. But you well, know everything about it. <laughs> Good marketing, I guess. What was? Uh, no, I was just thinking uh, that name popped in my head too. But I thought it was the name of the character that Joey from Friends played on his soap opera. So that <laughs> Maybe must have been it was. a different doctor. I. It, I it's know. all the same thing. Now the Simpsons, the um, if they're the Simpsons has been on for thirty plus years, how could this show have been on for sixty years? Uh, if it's still on now, that means it's the early sixties, right? Sixties and the yeah. Uh, so that that makes sense. That's I guess. I guess the only thing this calls for is to find a place to binge this and watch every show from number one until now. And you'll find me out at Lakeside having to dry out. Uh, Trying to draw a map of the continuity is enough to drive me mad. Oh, my God. Have a family tree. Who's dead? Who came back? Oh, my. What a horrible, horrible thought. I wasted a little bit of time on two different ones when my before I was in radio and my schedule was different and I wasn't getting up early, but it was kind of, it was... But I'd miss a week here or there. But then you don't. You know what happens. You could miss a month, and you're like, oh, I know what happened. I you still know? sometimes <laughs> will pop across one of them in the middle part of the day, and I stop. And I think this is the same thing it was yep. 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> yep. They're same. either in a bar, in a hospital room. Yep. Um, and We're I on think a cliff. They really, they, they, <laughs> they really push the envelope now with the skin and with men being gay and. I guess they've just, you know, pushed the envelope uh, forever on on most things that were surely not in play in the 60s, but now they seem to be okay. So I don't know. I, that That's one anniversary. It is the 50th anniversary of this, which I also don't understand. I thought we had this story last month, but it's back, and Sid has, 50 years ago today, this happened. Explain. Yeah, I don't know if we had it last month, but the year was 1973, and this engineer who had worked actually also on NASA's Apollo program was trying to create a handheld mobile phone. And he did research and actually contributed to the development of the, some of us have seen the clunky car phones. Oh, yeah. That oh, yeah. you could call, you know, while you're in, in you movies know, the, and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it had the cord, you know, like your like your wall phone too. I, I had a cousin who had one in his car. Hmm. When I when I bought a, a spy, obviously. A, yeah, he was Brad News. CIA. Don't, yeah. Don't hang out with him. Just say no. Um, 
there was one in my when I got a 300 ZX and it was used and it had and it wasn't hooked up or anything but it, she left it in there and I'm like oh my god this is kind of cool I can pretend for maybe a week and then I was over it but so this guy <laughs> it was kind of cool though but you know they're big and bulky so this this guy was trying to create that then he gets a phone call in his lab and he picked up the phone and this guy goes hey Joel and it was this guy named Martin Cooper and he was the leader of a rival research group at a radio and electronics company called Motorola. And he said, I'm calling you on a cell phone, a real cell phone. So he rubbed it in, and that's when the cell phone was born. <laughs> that guy did it, not the NASA guy. But it's been 50 okay. years. So I don't know. I should post this picture because it shows him, and it shows these old first phones. And they're about the size of a brick. Yeah. There's not a screen, yeah. of course. Yeah. There's a they place for your phones. ear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's numbers and there there's a you know an antenna that you don't pull up and down or anything but they're huge, so that that's when it was I can't I didn't know well of course it took ten years though for people to get for them to make cell phones to where people had them, so t- it was yeah. at least it was in the eighties after that so we says. can trace so, back the beginning of the end of time to this moment when all that crap rolled out, cell yep. phones began the end of, and <laughs> that, that was when. When the end uh, started, and then we have social media, and now Twitter is back in the news, and all of the, this. I don't know if Elon Musk has any idea what he's doing, but he has really made a mess of this thing. It's something different every day, but he's in, he's in the news, so that's his goal. But yeah. people that are on the Twitter, uh, I thought he had decided to drop uh, the um, the blue check mark and the subscription uh, fee for that. I, this is a, is a strange story, but we'll get to to all these things. Uh, and we have um, just various and sundry other things to address, and we will. This is Drake Digital. Some of the big uh, movies over the weekend, there were some surprises, I guess. I had no idea this was coming out. If I had, I'd already been to the theater at least for the entire day. Dungeons and Dragons Honor <laughs> Among Thieves. Yep. Were you aware of this, Wesley? Oh yeah, I, I have seen it, and it is the it is the subject of my uh, podcast for this week on Friday night. Okay. Oh cool. Uh, it opened up with thirty eight and a half million bucks in the U.S. and in Canada, booting John Wick Chapter Four from the top box office spot. So I, um, the sleeper hit based upon the tabletop game is a rollicking comic action adventure with a star-studded cast and a ninety one percent fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes. So I didn't know it was coming out. Who's the cast that's so popular and special? Chris uh, Chris Pine is in it okay. as, as the lead, and Hugh Grant has a, a role, and oh. I didn't recognize him. Oh. Uh, Chris Pine is one of those actors that I always recognize, and he's always Chris Pine in different clothing. Whether right. he's a, a prince in a musical, whether he's Captain Kirk, whether he's a big action spy or a bard rogue in a D&D movie, he's Chris Pine, Pine as that guy. Hugh yeah. Grant, though, I didn't recognize. I didn't know it was him until the credits were running. Heavy makeup or just old? Just did not look Hugh Granty. Huh. Huh. <laughs> Hugh Granty. Well, okay. Well, uh, so, but it's good, though, and it didn't suck. Um Indiana Jones 5 is on the way. It'll premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, and Harrison Ford is back for the last time. I didn't check his age. Um, but oh, well, all I know about Harrison Ford is, this is just kind of a sidebar, 
If you have Apple Plus TV and you have not watched the show, the, the show Shrinking, you will change your attitude about Harrison Ford entirely. He is maybe the highlight of the show. He is hysterically funny. As a shrink who is getting older, he has Parkinson's. Uh, he works with uh, two of his uh, colleagues are also their, their therapists. Uh, but he has the best lines. Who, who, this guy is, is so damn funny, you never had any idea, really. And to further this uh, sidebar, in the car, we tune to podcasts now so I can hear how to do them right. Ah. And, I'm, and I mentioned before, well, not that's that was a lie, um, <laughs> the one called uh, Senseless. Dana, not, uh, uh, it is uh, Jason Bateman and uh, Will Arnett and Sean Hayes from Will and Grace. And they had um, Steven Spielberg was one of their guests. And I mean, that was an interesting, interesting hour. And trying to talk to him about everything from Jaws um, to Close Encounters to E.T. to Schindler's List. Uh, his, the films he's made, it's, it just blows your mind. And how he teamed up with uh, George Lucas uh, down the road. And um, they worked on Star Wars a bit together, but that was, that was George's film. Mm-hmm. And nobody thought the movie was going to be anything. They said, this is a complete, absolute piece of garbage. It's not, it makes no sense. And so they had this thing written off before it even opened. And uh, I believe this was the movie uh, that George Lucas would always leave town and go to Hawaii to avoid hearing the news and reviews and the box office of when his films opened up. And when Star Wars opened up, there were lines around the... It was a gigantic hit immediately. And so uh, that was what he always did. And then Indiana Jones came up. And that was Spielberg's, I believe. And he and Lucas worked back and forth on these projects. But they brought up the very famous, uh, most rememberable, if that's a word, scene, perhaps, (laughs) in the first one. When oh, Indy yeah. and that guy has the sword and Indiana Jones just just shoots him. Yes. And it's laugh out loud funny. Spielberg told that story as to why they did that. Mm-hmm. And he said oh. Harrison had come to the set that day and that was not in the script. They wanted to make the sword fight longer and Harrison had eaten some bad food the night before. And he had uh, th- some little bathroom issues, Uh-oh. so he he got so he gets to the set and he told Lucas Andor Spielberg, "Listen, I have an hour, and that's it. That's all I've got. I I can't stop puking and shitting. I've got to go back to bed." So they begin the scene, and and uh, Ford told one of them what he planned to do. So they had uh, the gun ready, and I guess a a dummy round in the gun. So the sword fight dude begins and he's swinging and doing and Indy just shoots him. The end. Yeah. And, <laughs> I don't uh, remember that now. So Spielberg says that he told him um, because if you remember back and it's hard to go back that far, he pushed the brim of his cap or his hat up a little bit and he kind of rolls his eyes right before he shoots the guy. 
And Spielberg is recounting all of these things and these little, you know, many moments from his career. But this is a, he was an impressive, impressive man. I, I, it's, it's quite obvious. And The Fablemans, his most, uh, most, most a recent film, is the story of his life with his parents who got divorced and the realities of his life. He's kind of come around full circle, but the film was not a hit. Uh, it'll be, if it isn't already, on one of these uh, TV services pretty soon. But from all accounts, it's a great, great movie. And he is a very interesting and kind and well-spoken man who has done so much, I mean, on-screen magic. It's just hard to... Mm -hmm. Hard to even recall what all he has done, but he's done some. And Jaws was the first one. Oh, and they that's were, right. They were trying to debate the issue. If Jaws was the movie where the word blockbuster came from. And they weren't sure about that, but Spielberg pointed out that back in the day, Gone with the Wind had lines around the block, you know, hence that name. Uh, but Sean Hay said, I, he said, I am, I, I read this someplace that Blockbuster came from seeing Jaws and, uh, or from that, that film being out in the lines around the blocks and every show was sold out and all of that. But uh, Smartless is the podcast and these guys are so funny and they've been in this business for so long and they get these incredible guests and they, um, uh, each of the guys has to get uh, one guest per week, and he doesn't tell the other two. Okay. That's so that's so, so, cool. so when they start up, the other two guys don't know who the guest is. And <laughs> then they, they set up who the guest is, and one day it's Paul McCartney, and they're going, oh, my God. Uh, one we heard was with uh, Bono. Fantastic. Funny, uh, deeply intelligent, and... Uh, emotionally, uh, he's just a, uh, a, a rare individual. Uh, Joe Biden was on, we skipped that cause I wanted to laugh, not get bummed out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Dana Carvey had us laughing out loud in that car. Uh, it was hysterical. That's, that's cool. So wherever you find your podcast, after you after you get tired of hearing this nonsense, uh, <laughs> they're, it, they're really funny and they're really good and it's a great escape. Uh, so where was I? Oh, uh, Indy Jones 5, coming to con, and uh, it is Ford's last appearance. Uh, the first installment was in 81. Damn. And, and he's uh, 80. Well, if he uh, he's in this, in this TV show, which I encourage you, spend six months, or the, the uh, six bucks uh, per month for Apple Plus TV, and watch Shrinking. He doesn't look 80. He's he's real skinny and kind of little. Um, uh, I didn't think he'd be 80, but he's you'll. I my attitude toward his acting work changed immediately. He's hysterical because he's 80 and he doesn't care anymore. Maybe <laughs> yeah. that's it. Well, Could be. Well, I will say this too because I've been watching. You know, I, I record Colbert, so I go back like on weekends or whenever and and watch and see who the guests are and just go scroll to that point. And so he was on kind of recently talking about shrinking and oh. he was so funny with Colbert, but I always thought he was funny in Indiana Jones movies, but, um, and just goofy and just, I just always liked him, but he was, he was on there and the, 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 the other star in the show, they didn't know each other before 
the mo- before they started working uh, Jason together. Siegel, yeah. Jason Siegel. So yeah. he, Jason Siegel, apparently he explains how he wore a jumpsuit, like a mechanic thing type thing, to the set one day. And I think uh, Harrison Ford kind of looked at him and they sort of felt uneasy, but maybe they kind of started. Well, anyway, then the very next day, Harrison Ford wore a jumpsuit to the set and it was pink. <laughs> Hot pink, oh my. <laughs> and they got a picture of it, and they and and ever since then, like they've been they've been just you know great. It's one icebreaker, of the, it's one great of the funniest things <laughs> I have seen in a long, long time, and the rest of the cast is is just as good. They're they're fantastic, and the writing, you know, comedy is hard, uh, as, you know, as they've always said. Um, you know, dying is easy, uh, comedy is hard, is the actor's mantra. But Harrison Ford and Siegel and the entire cast, the lines they write and the timing with which they are, you know, doled out is magnificent. It's so funny. So that's on there. And uh, anyway, back to movies at Con. The other things, one other big thing coming up, Martin Scorsese's new work with Leo DiCaprio is called Killers of the Flower Moon. It's premiering when Con rolls around. Uh, it'll be later on in May. So there are some entertainment stories. There are, in fact, some more uh, that we have. Wes had some, I saw some stuff. So we'll get to that in a little bit. And we're going to play some tunes for the Beale Street Music Fest bands toward the end of this program today. And remind you that, that is coming around here in, in just a few weeks. So make your preparations for that. Tickets at MemphisInMay.org. And uh, so all that is coming up too. A uh, couple of tunes. Here are the Young Bloods, Jesse Colin Young and his great band. This is Drake Digital. As I mentioned before, we were uh, on a uh, a dash to a family affair uh, north of here, and then dashed back the next day because we weren't sure if our house was going to be here or not after this insane weekend. So we uh, are in Evansville, Indiana. D- don't even ask. Don't get me started. Because. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't even know you were my, going to that state. <laughs> well, my uh, brother called and said, where are you? And I said, I'm in Evansville. He said, why the fuck are you in Evansville? And I said, <laughs> it's a long story. We had a, a surprise birthday party for a family member. Oh, great. And, and he had forgotten about it, which would have, if, if, so if, if he hadn't called me, I said, are you going to be here tomorrow uh, by, by noon? He said, for what? To see you in, in Evansville? <laughs> So, no, you idiot. No, it is, it's our stepmother's, you know, birthday. So uh, he said, "I'm uh, happy that I called you." So we're in this in this uh, crappy. I, you get what you pay for, and I usually stay in places that I know are going to be clean and nice and with a good staff and uh, decent coffee. You, you know, well, this time I we had booked. Uh, two nights in two two various places, at the same hotel chain, and I won't say who it who it is. Uh, comfort in, but you suck. And uh, anyway, uh, so <laughs> we go out to eat. And last year, Sid is was on a trip with her kid for 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 a, a soccer thing, like all of our kids and grandkids are doing. Yeah. And she sent me this picture from Clarksville, Tennessee, <laughs> and yeah. the out. And the outside of the, uh, the, there's a marquee. It's one of the old-timey kind where they put up letters and shit. And oh, okay. So it was called Drake's. And so, and the marquee says, beer, 
burgers and sushi. And <laughs> we were uh, dying laughing about it. And I thought the only the only word that isn't on here is uh, food poisoning, uh, and, <laughs> and that's just a start. So I said, "Tell me you didn't go in there." And she said, "No, no, no." So we get to this place, <laughs> and it is it's raining its ass off there, and there are warnings about this, that, and the other. So we go out, it's five minutes away, because she saw it coming in. There's a Drake's. I said, oh, well, let, let's just go. And I'm going to do my best to convince them that this meal should be comped, because my name is Drake, and I'm a part owner in this thing. And she went, no, don't, <laughs> don't be an asshole. So I, me, so we go in there, and there's two nice young kids there at the front. And I said, listen, uh, here's my license. My name is, is uh, Drake for real. And so we played with that, for, and it was cute. Uh, it was a sports bar. They must have had a thousand TVs in a pretty small space. And so I asked the waitress, who was really sweet, and um, talked about her and her kids, and she works for tips. And they, she, uh, So we're going on, and we. Or, so I said, now tell me the truth. Is this sushi, uh, you know, fresh? She said, I, I love sushi. I wouldn't lie to you. If you pick one that I don't think is going to be any good, I'll tell you. Okay. So I ordered uh, two or three different things, and they were just great. Cool. Uh, the wife had a, a burger, and I also took some uh, salmon back to the room. Top notch. So if you and they're they're all they're all over the South. They're in Nashville, um, in Clarksville, Evansville, and other places like that. And um, I tried to work the uh, waitress on the same angle. Look, here, <laughs> Did it work? Uh, if hell no. Damn it. Uh, 80 Did you bucks take your later, picture by the? <laughs> But no, sign. but but <laughs> uh, but the wife got pictures of the place, okay. um, and so she'll send you those. Cool. But anyway, so so we're back in the room, and we're watching the storms come and and hearing it uh, pour outside and wind blowing. So I thought, I want something sweet, and I don't have any yogurt or the usual healthy stuff that I try to eat. So I go to the vending machine. When's the oh, last sure. time you bought something out of out of a vending machine? <laughs> Today, actually. Or, I mean, yesterday. No surprise there. Uh, I, was, I was craving chips. I don't know. Wesley? Uh, that was Wednesday when I got to a place and I completely forgot my lunch. So most okay. of a week ago. So we I haven't done lunch. that in, in I don't know how long. So I got some change out of my car. And I was going to, I saw Skittles. Oh, man. Oh, you used to be favorite. I used to eat that stuff like it was... <laughs> You know how much the bag uh, was for Skittles? Uh, $2. fifty. A dollar sixty-five. Ah. So right I in the middle of our guess. Feed in the quarters, and I get it, and I get back to the room. I gave her a little handful, and I ate two handfuls, and I realized that I have not eaten any kind of sugar like that in so long. <laughs> it was disgusting. <laughs> so I ate two handfuls. I was. I thought, no, you know, great. I've eaten a bunch of garbage, but I had salmon first, so there's come some kind of a you know balance there. So I go <laughs> in to brush my teeth, and I think, why are my gums bleeding? I'm spitting out red into the sink, what? and then I realize <laughs> yeah, it's some it's some it's some effing skittles in my bad. mouth in my teeth. Nice. <sighs> oh God! I, it, so that leads us to this Japanese firm selling bear meat from vending machines 
uh, with $13 packs of wild bear meat from bear they have caught somewhere, and it's already becoming very popular. In the Japanese city of Simboku, fresh bear meat. How do you define fresh if it's been put in a package and put in a vending machine? That's my thought. I guess it has an expiration uh, date on it. I don't uh, know. Uh, you can't read that through the glass window. Uh, featuring meat from locally hunted wild bears, 24-hour machine has drawn customers. They line up for this stuff. Uh, it's as, it's popular as far away as Tokyo, so they expect now that it will spread around uh, that part of the country and maybe even more. I Likely, it won't be here. No. Uh, maybe in, in, in Indiana. Thanks for that. Isn't that gross, though? <laughs> but, uh, you I could, don't know. It depends. You could tell me that Japan has made a vending machine with fresh sushi, and I would believe you. They have the most no, weird there. vending machines in that nation that I've ever heard about. And... If it, I'm glad it works for them. That's that's great. But uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. I think I would still go for the chips that I bought rather than the fresh berries. Yeah, and they uh, do have yeah. sushi, and uh, there are other places in America that have sushi. There are some baseball parks in California. I'm sure. I'm, I'm, that's all sushi. Machines? At the, no, no. That's, <laughs> the, that's, I hope that's the thing. If you're buying sushi out of a video, that's just suicide. So go on and uh, you know, just you know, blow your brains out. Now, don't eat sushi out of a damn vending machine. And buying it in a grocery store is also sketchy. Although Kroger yeah, does, uh, they do it right there, fresh every day, and you can watch them do it. So, but that's still um, there's still too much rice and all that stuff. Anyway, so that was my my vending machine uh, tale. Um, what is this about consumer fraud? I remember in the back in the old days, people would try to change the odometer on their cars before they sold them. And there's a, there's a famous scene in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off yep. when they took out uh, Cameron's dad's little car, this whatever it was, a Ferrari or something, trying yeah. to roll back the miles. So is that that's a, that is a thing and a problem a th- now, Wes? Or, no, Sid has it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, oh. yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. I d- who knew? Because, yeah, you, you immediately go to, to Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but their cars have been popping up that should have, like, a, say, 150,000 miles, you know, that do have 150,000 miles, but they show that they only have 50,000 miles. So people can make more money. It is a thing. How I do they don't... roll them back, though, on these newer cars? I don't get that at all. I, I don't know, but... But the, the, the this was this is from like a, a TV station somewhere, and it's it's uh, sixteen thousand cars in Utah have a rolled back odometer Jeez. according to this data. Carfax has tracked odometer fraud since the eighties. Wow. Uh, let me see if it says. I don't think it really says, but that's up four percent from last year. Up four percent from last year. So people are getting ripped off because you're buying an old crappy car with tons of well, might not, well with tons of miles and and you think it doesn't have that many. That's it, that's well, it's I, just insane. I just what wonder do if it's a people. certain kind of car and they know that and people are doing it. Like they can steal certain cars around here. What is it? The Hyundai's and the, and the Kias are the easiest the to steal. You you know this this actually this guy in the story says all somebody needs is. And apparently this is a thing. I don't know what. 
a $300 odometer correcting tool. Huh. Oh, like the one he uses for his, in his shop for non-nefarious purposes. Um, Uh. So there's, God, does everybody make a tool that like F's up, you know, like what's supposed to be (laughs) right? Yes. Uh. The answer is yes. Huh. So well, you've got to just. Sounds a bit sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. So just, I mean, obviously, if you're buying a car, get trust. Go, you know, buy from somebody you trust. Yeah, uh-huh. and if it is, you might want to ask our friend Alan about this too. I, um, any car that I've ever bought, I think in the past, I don't know, twenty years, I've let Alan, you know, see it first. Yeah. Oh and, yes. Uh, yes. The odometers, I don't, I did never. I thought that was like an old timey thing that couldn't be done. Apparently, it can. Uh, Alan, yeah. uh, either way, can take care of anything on your car. He can probably can check and see if somebody has messed with the odometer. But if your battery light's on or your brakes are squeaking or you need, just need some general service, Alan's Automotive is where you go to do it. They're on Wendale in the South Haven-Whitehaven area, and he uh, he's the man to see. For anything on your car, your truck, uh, old or new, he can determine what the issue is and give you an estimate and get it fixed for you. You need to call him in advance, 332-3279, to make uh, an appointment and see him, but you will not regret it. I know no one that has ever not left there happy with what he did for them. Allen's Automotive, on Facebook, on his own website, and at 332-3279. Back in a moment, uh, some chat GPT nonsense. There are other technological thingies to look at. I don't know. Well... There's a new thing, a new job available, uh, $335,000 to start, and it involves being an AI whisperer. Hmm. I don't know what this means, but we're going to find out. This is Drake Digital. Just talking about uh, the cars that are easily stolen, and now the odometer, uh, that new scam, the easiest cars to steal are the Hyundai and the Kia, right? I don't know why. I don't know what they are. I I have no idea. I I don't care. And we brought up last week, why doesn't somebody bring back the, what was it called? The club. The club. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, they kind of have. What's the deal, Wes? Yeah, Hyundai and Kia are planning to give away free steering wheel locks after what they call the TikTok thefts. It's uh, oh, they 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 have already rolled out. They said uh, anti theft software upgrades to one million vehicles, but uh, there's still millions more that don't have this upgrade. And they say it's it's free, but it's going to take them some time to to I guess get to everybody. So in the meantime, they're giving out these steering wheel locks. Although at this point, you know, if you've had your car stolen already, it's you know a little too late for that. Uh, they say that the common anti-theft feature has been standard in all models, the electronic one, since last November of 2021. But uh, there's still a lot of older ones that are really susceptible to this. Apparently, there's some way that you can get into a USB port on the steering column and Ooh, do an wow. easy thing. And that is uh, what it takes to uh override the vehicle's anti-theft security that they've got built in. So, yeah, so they're going old school with just a big hunk of metal that you put on your steering wheel so <laughs> it can't turn left to right very Good. much. So well. they've given away 23000 already. Re- will reimburse anyone who's already bought one. I couldn't find in this story what you have to do to go apply, but I suppose their websites would have more information. Interesting. I would get one, yeah. A pretty smart move, yeah. 
I mean, that's good uh, PR. But, but if your car's been stolen, yeah. I guess you've already had the insurance cover that for you. So uh, good luck with that one. All right, here's the, uh, they're in search of, and they being them, uh, an AI whisperer. The salary is over $300,000. The story says the AI job market is hot, offering all this big money to help sharpen the technology of the future. If you're paying attention, you can't get away from talk about ChatGPT and you watch various companies utilize it and try to find the bugs as they uh, keep adding more and more money to it. Uh, Microsoft has, is, uh, has it in effect. And anybody that's in this, in this game is trying to compete with it. And they're also trying to find the bugs and to work them out. There are bugs in some bugs. And I heard somebody that was talking about uh, it uh, told ChatGPT Chat to send a, a thank you note to somebody whose house they had been at for a party the night before. And um, they wrote it, and it was really good. And he said, okay, now go back and do it again and add um, this and that emotion and this or that line. And so ChatGPD cranks it out, and it's it's perfect. Oh, and then wow. you hear one about somebody who writes one, and the thing goes totally bonkers. So it doesn't, it's just, it's not really there yet, but it's getting there. This company called Anthropic, an AI outfit backed by Alphabet, which is Google, mm -hmm. is, is advertising for the role of prompt engineer with these giant paychecks every month. You don't need to be a coder to get the job. Prompt engineers are like AI whisperers, says the dude who is a prompt engineer himself. They come from a background of history and or philosophy or English, uh, just the background of the words, because it's wordplay, all of it is. You're trying to distill the essence or meaning of something into a limited number of words. And so that is their task, uh, to, to uh, write prompts to reach AI's uh, chat GPT and other things like it to produce smarter results. And they help mm -hmm. to train uh, these companies on how to best use AI. So, if you're playing around with this ChatGPT thing, you're already engaging in some prompt engineering yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, if you want to reach out uh, to them, I don't know how you do it, uh, but Anthropic is the company, and the money is, this is going to be, they're going to have uh, lots of job openings, I am guessing, for this in the future. As you watch this grow, you hear about McDonald's, they're about to fire thousands of people in their executive offices. Um, now I wonder what I, I, I wonder what led to that. Um, did they overhire, overdo, like many companies did during during COVID? They hired people to replace people or whatever. But for the time being, those who are about to be canned are working from home. But isn't that kind of weird? So you're at home working, knowing right. you're about to be fired. Um, maybe you'll get a nice golden parachute on the way out. But, well, you, you did say they were executives, so maybe the uh, top executives looked at the uh, organization chart and realized that they they yeah. have too many layers, too many yeah. managers, too many people who they too don't really money. know what their job is even. Why did they hire them? Just like city government and Shelby County Schools. Isn't that odd? <laughs> How about that? <laughs> yeah. Bastards. Uh, all right, you have one, uh, ChatGPT. 
and Dal E should watermark their results. What does this mean? Right. This came, this was an editorial piece from a Berkeley computer science professor who is wrote this in response to the images of uh, Donald Trump being arrested, which didn't happen. All the pictures were faked, but they were generated by AI. Uh, I saw them all. Yeah, yeah but uh, <laughs> but they were they were really believable. And he, he goes on uh, at the introduction talking about these various AI programs, the things they can do. Say they can make very realistic pictures. They can write coherent, if not always, you know, correct. Uh, op-ed pieces or essays or anything else from a prompt. They're not so good at doing video or voice yet, but he's real confident that they will before too very long, and he extrapolates from that the kind of damage that someone can do if you had a video of a CEO from, say, uh, Microsoft, McDonald's, any place, one of the, the top money-making publicly traded companies, and a fake video of the CEO comes out saying how their profits are down 20%, well, that's going to have a real-world effect in the stock market before people yeah. figure out that it's fake. And right. yeah. there's all kind of, he goes on with more and more. He says one of the protections that could be put in place is doing watermarking. And he talks some about the history of doing watermarkings on documents. Explain what that means. It's basically making a subtle image on... You would see it on official a documents, stamp. paper, yeah. paper documents. It, Dollar. Yeah. It, but uh, on some legal contracts, there would be a, a watermark on there just so you could prove it wouldn't. It, you can't photocopy it. Oh yeah. So you could. So like it a notary might a photocopy do or something. It, yeah. yeah. The original. Yeah. And there's digit ways to do it uh, digitally too. He th talks about how Getty Images does it, and it's basically by tweaking. He says every tenth image pickles pi uh, pickle. God. Every tenth image pixel so that the color is even valued and he gets into the details to say that it's a reliable way to verify an image truth, basically. That mm. this is the original, oh. this wasn't. And so those need to be placed on to AI pictures. It needs to be, he says, baked into the hardware or the, or the software. And it makes total sense. There's some danger in this because they, they, they look so real. Yeah. That um, and this is early on in this game. Yeah. And 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 you know, how far could they go to put somebody in a really uh, a compromising position with a picture that looks completely real? Right. So having it verified is yeah, that's a that's a good idea. So that's why we're all gonna. Mm -hmm. This is gonna kill us all. It's, <laughs> yeah. I just saw a, a a a trailer for a movie. I guess it was a movie on something. Uh, it's in 2053, I think, and the world has been divided into the rich people and the poor people. Well, that's already been done, yeah, right. but they're going to yeah. get on top of it now. Uh, in the movie, the rich people, and this is why you always wonder why it's the rich dudes like Elton Musk and um, Richard, what's his nuts from uh, Virgin? Branson. Yeah. Uh, uh, Branson. Why they're the ones trying to get to space. Because they want to get up there and find a place to go when the Earth is on fire. They want out. So this movie is about a planet or a space station complex full of condos and a different world where the rich folks go to live mm -hmm. while all the rest of us stay here and uh, die and try to survive. Interesting concept. Uh, but it is... Um, this <laughs> AI stuff, is, it's moving, uh, yeah, it's moving really, yeah. really fast. Uh, on the note of 
of the uh, Dali. When I saw this, I thought it said Dali, as in the artist, uh, Salvador Dali. If you don't know who he is right off the top of your head, he um, he's the guy... Uh, Melting uh, abstract, mm -hmm. huh? Exactly melting clocks. Saying. He's the melting clock picture guy. Yes, and so many other things. He mm -hmm. had a uh, a mustache, a handlebar mustache that was always, <laughs> you know, finely waxed and yes. curled up at the ends, and insane eyes and and uh, eyebrows. He was around the same time that that you know Warhol was, and but he did um, incredibly abstract work. He was very popular, and uh, people are still buying his art to this day. I heard a story about him that I thought was I I'm, I thought Jesus, what a what a smart thing to do. Before he died, he got uh, I'm guessing hundreds of canvases, black canvases, of various sizes, and he signed his name in the bottom right, and then he sold those canvases for about twenty grand each. So oh, you can wow. buy one of those and do your own painting, and it's signed by <laughs> Salvador Dali. <laughs> That's cool. I thought that was brilliant. And before he died, he would go to the occasional place to show his art or to, and to do his work, and he would sit at a table, and like at a you know county fair where they will, you know, there's somebody there with a little uh, sketch pad and an artist who will who will uh, draw your portrait or you and your kids or you and your husband in the, you know, pencil art. Yeah. And so he had a table and some easels and people would line up and they paid him 500 bucks to make them a piece of art by Dolly right at the table. All right. And wow. so a lady walks up to the table and he takes about 30 seconds and he draws, he paints two lines on the canvas. And she has to pay him 500 bucks or his, his you know, people. Mm -hmm. And she said, you just spent 30 seconds on that painting. And you're charging me 500 bucks for that? He said, no, madam. I spent my entire life working yep. on that. <laughs> that's, that's how you got to look at it. That's, I thought that was a great comeback. Yep. Back in a sec, this is Drake Digital. All right, some rock and roll observations here. I, I don't know why this is, is a surprise to anybody. I, I don't know if it's tacky, if it's honorable, or if it's just, just greed. Gary Rossington, the last founding member of Leonard Skinnerd, died about a month ago. And they played a show uh, uh, right after that where you would think maybe a one-time shot to say goodbye. No, no. They're going to ke uh, keep on touring without any original member in the band. Ricky Medlock is there. He was there early, early on. He left to form Blackfoot. Uh, Dale Krantz, who's been one of the backup singers, uh, and she married, married Gary. Uh, for, they were married for about 40 years. And so it's uh, one of the Van Zant boys. What is it, Johnny? Yeah, it's Johnny, and it's the two ladies who sing backup, and they talked to the families of those who have uh, have passed, and decided that they would keep on going, and uh, because their music is timeless and all of that. Um, uh, I would assume people will still come to see them. I don't know 
if it's just over the but it's now it's an official cover band there's no yeah yeah there's no other way to go about it so uh, their take on it is that Skinner's music is bigger than 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 me says Van Zant or any one person so the family said go for it and um, Ronnie's widow has she said you know why not it's brought us all joy and friendship and an ass load of money. <laughs> right. And maybe if they keep how... touring and they keep the name alive, more records get sold. I wonder who owns the name. That was my yeah, first thought. And, and and how much does Johnny sound like Ronnie? I wonder. I've never seen him with oh, uh, he, I've never seen it, him anyway. But he's been doing this for what, thirty years? No, it's more than that. It's been a yeah, it's been a that, while. That plane went down in seventy six, right? Yeah, but they um, started up again, what, in the early 90s? Maybe so. Yeah, maybe they didn't do it right away, like this kind of a tacky deal. But either way, people will go see them uh, because of, the, uh, I guess, just the memories and, and things and like songs, that. So, yeah. The songs sound the way they used to. Maybe not as good, but uh, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, Christine McVie, who passed away, uh, the one of the great voices from Fleetwood Mac, she died a few months ago. Uh, I don't know why this was important to bring up her cause of death. She was 79 years old. Uh, she had mentioned that she couldn't keep touring because she was sick, and no one knew what that meant. Uh, what killed her ultimately was a massive stroke. Uh, blood clots go to your brain, you die. Uh, plus, she was all her entire body was. Um, uh, she had cancer, and it was uh, there as the secondary cause. So she had lived a good life, and um, uh, she has left the building. And she was quite a beauty and quite a, a great singer and a gentle mm -hmm. soul, mm -hmm. you would think. So uh, that one. And then there's this one about Foreigner on the topic of cover bands. Uh, when this band first broke, it was 1978. And I remember the first single, and uh, was it first time or cold as ice? I don't remember. But now uh, there's not one original guy in that band, not one, and hasn't been for a long time. Now, when I first met them, when they came to play in Louisville or something, because they were a hit immediately, and Mick Jones had been around um, the British scene for a number of years, the majority of the band were American dudes. Uh, they weren't foreigners. They just call foreigner. So Mick Jones, uh, he was probably... I was really young then, so he was—he seemed like a much older dude to me then. He had gray hair, and his wife was a very nice lady. And uh, just to put it in some kind of a context, Mick Jones is the stepfather of Mark Ronson, the guy that produced and wrote Uptown Funk for Bruno Mars. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, and then Mark Bronson's Mark Ronson's dad is Mick Ronson, who played with David Bowie during all the Ziggy stuff and all of that. So he had uh -huh. two dads, both named Mick, one Jones and Foreigner, who was his stepdad, and then Mick Ronson, who was his real father. So anyway, um, Foreigner is out on the road still. I saw them once. Lou Graham was that band to me. He had the voice. He sang all mm -hmm, the hits. Me too. And the past, uh, like five years ago, they uh, reconvened, they hooked up, and Lou did some shows with them and all of that stuff. Uh, but now, 
it's uh, there's the story that uh, Sid has mentions that they are that Lou Graham has made some comment about it's a it's a crock of shit that they're still even trying to tour because Mick doesn't show up. Uh, what's the details on this briefly? Yeah. He had he was in an interview and he was asked his opinion on the announcement that they were embarking on their fair, farewell tour. Of course, yeah, still as foreigner, and he says, you know, I think it's run its course and it's it's been good, you know, years for all involved, especially the band that was foreigners' inception. There were changes in, in personnel after a while. You know, I was still in and 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 that was a, a, a damn good band too. And and Mick Jones' choice to keep it going after there were no original members other than himself. Well, that's his option, I guess, but I don't get it. I know he's had his ups and downs in his health, he says, but he doesn't understand how they can be touring with no original members and calling well, themselves Foreigner and going on for years Skinner. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, does you know, it's have not at my, least they, they do have at least have the Van Zant name right. at the microphone. That would just that's about really all they be got. bullshit. If they well, didn't. yeah, but that's um, <laughs> it too, though. You're, you're so, a cover band. Go play bars or go home. Yeah, he's like, I, I guess it's not my business. That's the decision that they make, but it's just not right for me. However, he says for years, Mick has been showing up for half the show, or he'd come in the last four or five songs of the set, or lately Sloppy. he's come in for the last song and the encore, Sloppy. and that was it. He goes, and then I know there's been many, many shows lately where he's not there at all. Not so cool. he throws him under the bus, which I don't blame him. Yeah. And he said, you know, he was asked about the 40th anniversary reunion of one of the albums or the, him playing with them again at some point. And he's like, that does not appeal to me. Not no. hanging with it. Nope. No. It's, so. But, you know, there are generations of people. Uh, I know that, okay, Lou Graham was in that band because he had uh, two hits, Midnight Blue. Love that and, song. And one more on, off of his first album. And that was in the late 80s. So that means that he must have left that band about 10 years in. And so ever since then, they had, they had this... My point is is that people that know the songs but, know, but don't know who the band members are can hear this live, and it probably sounds just like the record. Yeah. And, that, and that's yeah. part of the ripoff, but they don't care. It's the songs they want to hear. Play Cold as Ice again. Yep. God, I hate uh, that song so bad. I always I did. Hate, uh. I hate that song. Uh, but they, we, we play a few of their songs because they had some really great songs. Um, Rev on the Red Line was a good song. Oh, right. oh that's great. Uh, yeah. Women was a good song. Mm -hmm. uh, Dirty White Boy was a good song because that right. album was uh, that was off of uh, Head Games, right? And uh, but they did have some songs that lasted and that still sound good. But as long as there are fans of Skinnerd and 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 you know Foreigner. And sticks and whoever else they're going to keep on touring, and they'll play state fairs and that kind of crap, and they'll yeah. get a check, get back on the bus, and head to the next state fair. That's they ain't they ready paid. to say bye bye. Because <laughs> these the these, these bands that are just the uh, the new guys, they're not getting paid for the records; they're yeah. getting paid when they make a concert. And yes. and I guess that Mick Jones still calls the shots and writes the checks. That'd be my guess. So, but the fact that he shows up when he wants to is unprofessional and just, uh, it's just wrong. But hey, that's none of my business. I don't care about these old bands anyway. Well, I do kind of. Uh, uh, <laughs> on the band note, we're going to play here in a, a little bit. We're going to do um, uh, six tunes from bands coming up on the Beale Street Music Festival. Uh, some of the high points of this festival, which will be downtown in Tom Lee Park, May 5th through 7th. And we're going to play some some songs from uh, a few of the bands that are on that show.
This morning after uh, this event, or whenever you're going to hear this, uh, at 9 o'clock you'll be hearing part two of the best live rock and roll ever made, Bands in Concert. Uh, the first one was a ton of fun, and I guess people have already heard the brand new one. There was some text you said that people liked some of the songs that I pulled yes. out of there. Yeah, Vicky says, I am loving the music cast. They've all been great, but today when I heard, or whenever she heard it, Bittersweet Symphony start to play, OMG, I've never heard it live before. I immediately got chills all over. The tear, Then the tears came. This is the most solemnly beautiful song ever. Of course, the yes, tears continued I... through Hallelujah. What a perfect ending for the music cast. So Thank that, you very much. I do actually, hard to believe, I give this thought. Uh, and then my son <laughs> yes, puts it all together. And he, he, um, he, you know, blends the songs. And I, the, um, the version of that tune by The Verve is actually being played by Coldplay. And the singer, uh, his name is Ashcroft, Richard, uh, Richard Ashcroft, sings the lead. And you hear it start and... There's no way you can't get chills when, that's, when that damn thing starts. And the crowd hears it, and you hear that build as they hear that song, and it's like, OMG. And I rolled <laughs> that underneath uh, Frank Sinatra doing Summer Wind, and it oh. works out pretty well. And then to hear Cohen do Hallelujah, because his version is probably the least played of any of those. So we have uh, Jeff Buckley's on the station. Mm -hmm. It's been covered by 300 people or something. A yeah, song we that, had that, that. Yeah, we talked about that one day. A that lot. took him seven years to write that song. Mm -hmm. And there is a, a documentary about his life and that song that is on Netflix. If you like Leonard Cohen and if you don't understand that he is in the conversation with the best, best you know, songwriters of all time, Dylan and Joni Mitchell and Springsteen, uh, and Cohen goes right there with him. And if you don't know about his work, and if you like songwriting and words, this guy was one of the best ever. And this documentary on Netflix is worth the time it takes to watch it. It's about Hallelujah for the majority of it, but seven years. And he, he wrote something like a hundred different verses, and he would change them up from time to time just to, mess with your head and uh but this this thing is on netflix and is worth the time to watch so uh, enjoy that mr cohen is one of the all-time great ones uh, back in a sec we're gonna play these uh, these tunes from i'll just tell you in a minute but first we'll play uh this great song from our buddy john kilzer uh, this is one of my favorite songs of his ever and I didn't understand the first line of what he was saying when he when I first heard this, but I finally picked it up. And as a matter of fact, to go down the this hole even deeper, I got uh, involved with YouTube over the weekend, and I went back and I watched the interviews that Zeke and I did with John, and they're on YouTube, and there are four or five of them, and it uh, makes you feel melancholy. Uh, and that's why on our Facebook page, when I got home the other night from uh, to see if our house was still here, and I see pictures of these homes, people's lives destroyed, um, the first thing I thought of was that lyric, be thankful that you have a home and pray for those lost souls in the dark. And Sid put up the picture and that quote and a link 
where you can go to offer assistance if you so mm -hmm. choose. That, that's mm -hmm. up on our Facebook page. Anyway, I'm sleeping neath the L's of the Hollywood sign. What a, a vision that conjures. Here is John Kilzer on Drake Digital. All right, uh, coming up here in a second or two, we're going to play you a block of tunes from uh, bands coming up at the Beale Street Music Festival May 5th through 7th in Tom Lee Park. They will be coming up here in a minute. Wes first has a story. He just explained it to us off the air, but let's... You just go ahead and tell us what you just told us and do this. So there's a rapper named Soldier Boy that you may have heard Love of. Yeah. Long, crazy uh, he did some sort of video that I guess had just extras in it, ordinary people, and they were offered the choice for taking part in this video to receive either a dinner date with him, Soldier Boy, or $250 in food stamps. Well, is that tacky or funny? Well, there's a lot of people that went with the food stamps. <laughs> I've heard about this. Because he's a dick. This video was posted uh, oh, by this man. New Jersey radio DJ as part of a promo, and several random women said, yeah, they'd rather have the food stamps. There's a lot of language in this story. So <laughs> I'm going re to replace, gonna be replacing one, probably the most famous profane word, with the word cracker. I'm going to replace... Okay another foul word with kiss and then there's others in there that just for fun i went ahead with the theme and replaced them with bleach okay so i so the f word the n word have been swapped out for cracker and kiss kiss yeah oh, all right so oh, okay. so just to lay the groundwork one woman in the video said uh quote food stamps is what she would pick i don't give a kiss about that corny ass cracker she replied <laughs> Another said, give me the food stamps, I can make chicken Alfredo. Well, Soulja Boy caught wind of this video, and I guess he watched it and took to his Instagram live to rip the women's home state of New Jersey, and I guess them too. Soulja Boy said, quote, with the alterations, all y'all crackers can die. Who got a problem with it, cracker? Kiss you talking about. All y'all crackers got me kissed up, boy. Y'all bleach crackers better stop playing with my name, cracker. I ain't even come to y'all city cracker, bleachy ass crackers. Y'all got me kissed up, crackers. He referenced another rapper's video, a guy named Chief Keef's song, Fainto, uh, which has a line in there threatening to blow New Jersey up. And he referenced that by saying, quote, with alterations, I knew he was onto something when he said he was going to blow New Jersey up. Suck my bleach, cracker. Get all you crackers murked. Don't ever say my name in your bleachy ass video, cracker. I'll come blow that bleach up, cracker. Kiss New Jersey and everything y'all stand for. Wow. He was mad. You go, soldier boy. He was mad. Boy, defensive much, you piece of shit, punk. <laughs> oh, skinny oh, ass cracker that, that no one gives a good. kiss about. So, so Wes had had some uh, some uh, free time yesterday, I guess. <laughs> I prepared for these things, man. That's that's very good. Yeah. That's very good. All right, uh, coming up here after this next song set of bands playing the Beale Street Music Fest is the re is the new uh, my new um, what's it called Between the Grooves. That's yeah, what it, yeah. it's about. It's about music, see, and you can only hear it on these live shots on the station or on this podcast, whatever it is. Because we can't put them up on the podcast list because, well, it's illegal. It's a, it's a long story. Yeah. Uh, but you can hear them a lot. Uh, and Sid puts up on social media when they're on. 
and they're usually on after the show or before or after the afternoon replay. So you can catch them, and they really are fun. Uh, they're fun to do, and they're fun to hear, and I thank my son again for uh, producing them so beautifully. And it all, it's, it all works together. If you don't know who uh, Nick Cave is, you'll want to, uh, he, he's remarkable, and he's um, uh, not as popular as he should be, but a great songwriter, and um, the song that I'm playing, and now the name of the show is Escaping Me, but I mentioned it in the podcast, oh God, it was a classic, never mind. Anyway, that's coming up, and uh, that's after we do these six songs. The band's coming up on the, pro, uh, on, the uh, on the concert downtown in Tom Lee Park, we're going to play Young the Giant, two from them, and then two from Gary Clark Jr., and then Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. Now, you're wondering, as many folks that go to see them do, do they do anything uh, from Led Zeppelin? And the answer is yes. Now, they, are, is it a the same version? No, 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 no. Uh, they, they, they've changed things up, but we're going to play these for the next month, too prepare you for the show. So in the meantime, here are Young the Giant first, Gary Clark uh, Jr., who is a fantastic guitar player, and Robert Plant and Allison Krauss. Enjoy these tunes, and then the newest music cast, Between the Grooves, the best live rock and roll ever made. Here they are on Drake Digital. <laughs> 